right. Here we go. Okay. Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology. I am live streaming again today as we are coming into the closing hours of my annual Kickstarter campaign, trying to rally some last minute support, see if we can meet our final goal. Um, so in order to do that, I'm going to be promoting the Kickstarter and doing some live readings as a way of saying thank you to all of you for being um, an awesome audience. Hopefully, uh, those of you who are watching and not receiving a reading um, will also be able to learn something about reading charts. So uh, this is, I think these sessions are good for students of astrology as well as obviously a few people who end up getting a reading. Um, and I hope you guys will benefit from it. Um, we're going to get started in just a minute, but before we do that, I'm going to do a little countdown to uh, uh, roll us in here as people are uh, still joining. So we'll get started in 30 seconds. Welcome in, everybody. Uh, once again, if you're just joining us today, I am going live as a way of promoting the Kickstarter. We have just two more days left, tomorrow and Saturday, until New Year's Eve at midnight to try to reach our goal, uh, which is 1,608 backers by midnight New Year's Eve. We are almost there, you guys. So uh, hopefully today we'll rally a little bit more support and um, do some live readings. Say thank you to all of you for being an awesome audience. Hopefully those of you who aren't getting your chart read for will still learn something about reading charts. I'll try to give some tips and insights as to why I'm doing what I'm doing as we go along. So hopefully you can learn from that. I'm going to do four readings. That's about when I tap out. <laughs> um, but uh, before I do that, I want to also remind everybody because there's a lot of people who will watch this after the live stream. Don't forget to like and subscribe share your comments, whether you're in the live stream or you're uh, coming in afterward and re-watching the recording. Um, it helps the channel to grow. You can always find a transcript of any of my daily talks on my website, nightlightastrology.com. We don't typically trans, I guess we don't typically do transcripts of my live streams. I guess we, I don't think we have those, but we do have all of my other regular talks. Tomorrow, I'm going to be doing a special talk on the wild ride that Venus is taking us through in January, a little deeper dive into that. Today, we looked at why some people may have been maybe experiencing Jupiter as a little bit quieter in the sign of Aries than they would have anticipated. Talked a little bit about that today. So there's lots of good stuff. If you've missed it this week, we also did the astrology of January and horoscopes for January. Uh, you can find that. Uh, we live streamed that yesterday. So lots of good content to watch this week. I uh, hope you guys have been enjoying it. And a big thank you to everybody who has already donated to the Kickstarter. Um, I really appreciate it. Before I start promoting the Kickstarter, let's see where you guys are coming in from. 
uh, Flora says, hey, hey, Flora. Uh, and also uh, A. Castillo says hello there. Well, hello there to you too. <laughs> Let's see, uh, where are you guys coming from? Let me see if anyone has, aha, Sarah from Canada, Joanne from Michigan. Uh, let's see, where else are you guys coming from? Hmm. Blossoms Farm from Mexico. That sounds awesome. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Looking down to see. Sorry. You guys are all jumping ahead to your birth. Everyone's just putting their birth info in. Lizzie from Torrance. We saw you on the live stream the other day. And... Um, Michelle Cooper from Jacksonville. Oh, I see you're putting your birth info in. <laughs> Everyone's just jumping right to that. I'm not looking at your birth info yet, see guys. So I'd like to see where you guys are coming from first. Brooklyn, Columbia, Lisa's from New York City, uh, and from Utah. Nice. Nice to see you from Utah. Kelly is from Eastland, Texas. Carly is from New Jersey. Caroline is from Los Angeles. Love O is from Columbia. Edith is from Chicago. I love seeing this. It's so cool just to see where everyone's coming from. Uh, let's see. MV from San Francisco. Jeez. Oh, nice. Letizia from the Netherlands. Welcome. Let's see if there's any other international people. Dubai in the house. Nice. Let's see. Uh, so many different places. Oh, my God. Paris. Wonderful. Cool. Well, I'm so glad to see all of you coming in from uh, all over. Uh, it's wonderful to be here. And um, we are going to get into some birth chart readings in a minute. But as you guys know, I am in promotion mode right now for my Kickstarter campaign. Let me do a little math here. You can find the link to the Kickstarter, by the way, in the description of this video. I'm also going to pop it, the link into the live stream chat. And after the video has been published, you'll also find it in the comment section of the recorded video afterward. You can also always find it on my website at the top of the page, which is nightlightastrology.com. So let's see, let's do a little math. Right now, as I am doing this, we need 1,608 backers and we have 1,244 backers, which leaves us 364 backers to go by New Year's Eve at midnight. Is it possible that we can get there? It's a big push. That's a big, huge push in the last two, three days. But I do believe we can get there. Ah, there's a donation that just came in right now. Thank you very much. Um, every little donation helps. And I want you guys to know what you're supporting. So um, basically what you support is me making a living as an astrologer. That's the first one. The second one is my staff. There's a whole staff of people that support me being able to do this because I run an astrology school with literally thousands of students. And in addition to running an astrology school, I see clients every day. So creating content is only possible because I have to hire a staff to do a whole bunch of things that otherwise I would have to be doing all the time. And we create this content. We make it free for you five days a week, year round. And at the end, what we say is, if you like it, if it changes your life, if it teaches you astrology, if it's a positive influence in your life, please consider paying a little bit for it. Whatever you can afford is totally fine. We get that some people can't afford anything. We don't need every single person on the channel that watches the channel to donate. We need 1,608 people out of 50,000 to donate. So um, when that happens, then you get free, awesome, accessible content year round, and we end up getting to keep doing what we're doing. I get to support my career and I get to support a staff. Then beyond that, we set stretch goals. So 
our we've done lots of stretch goals over the years. Our stretch goal for 2023 is the creation of a donation-based reading clinic, which means that people who otherwise couldn't afford a reading will have reasonable price points with some of the best and brightest graduates from my school. And so that we hope will be a great service to the community. We need to raise the capital to be able to get that off the ground. That's why we're pushing so hard to get uh, the stretch goal met, which we know we will get to, we're very confident we'll get to if we meet our target of 1,608 backers, which is matching or beating last year's total. So that's why all of this, that's why you hear me, you know, banging the drum so much at the end of the year here. And I've been doing this for nine years. So for nine years, I've done a Kickstarter at the end of the year. We always try to make sure that when you donate to the Kickstarter, you get a reward in return. So it's not like uh, we try to make sure you get something in exchange for supporting the channel as well. Even though we believe, you know, in a sense, we hope that the channel is gift enough, you know, but we still want to make sure that you guys have something. So we have an astrological calendar for the year ahead that you can purchase uh, through the Kickstarter. When you donate, you can get the astrology of 2023 video. Uh, you can get a year ahead horoscope reading for your sun or rising sign. Uh, lots of lectures that I do on topics in astrology. And then all of my online training programs. A lot of people have been asking me, what is the criteria to become a part of your donation-based clinic? Like what does a person have to do to get on the staff of readers that you're going to employ through this program? We haven't defined all of the criteria yet because part of what we need to do is hire some consultants to help us set the whole thing up. So that's part of what is going to be happening through the Kickstarter. The only criteria that we know for sure right now is that people have to have graduated with the certification exam from year one, year two, horary, and readings and passages. But readings and passages is, is participation-based and completion-based. So there's no test. You have to have taken at least one year of readings and passages, which is like a practicum experience, in addition to year one, year two, and horary. So that's our four years of major curriculum. When people have gone through that, those classes, and they have um, started to try reading charts for other people, that will be the first criteria by means of which we take applications for our staff. We don't have anything else defined yet because, like I said, we need to sit down with some people that we're going to be hiring to create this in the most grounded and fair, reasonable way that we can. So that's tricky because you have the potential of like a lot of people who may apply to, to be a reader in our programs. So the first step is you have to have gone through all of the major curriculum that I teach. And um, that's sort of like, once I know people have been through that, then they have heard basically everything I have to say, <laughs> you know, at least about natal astrology and horary astrology, which is going to prepare people to be really good readers and um, good with their prediction and forecasting, which is what you need to read for people. So uh, people have been asking me that. So I thought I'd just explain a little bit about what we know so far about how we're going to be creating that program if we reach our goal. But it really is super important that we reach our goal before we can do any of this. Um, so we need, like I said, about 350 more backers, and then we should be good. Um, if you want to donate, again, pick a Find the link in the description of this video, the comment section of this video if you're watching it later. I'm putting the link in again right now. Uh, do, do, do. Yeah, here we go. So um, so that is, uh, that's the gist of it. So 50% off all of my programs. Uh, we run, sometimes people ask, is this the same as your early bird? No, 
the early bird sale that we run on some of the programs, this is four or $500 off, depending on the program, more than even our early bird sales. If you bundle them together, the savings goes up. So uh, it becomes really the best way to enroll in all of our programs if you're someone who's on the track of wanting to study astrology seriously or professionally, or even if it's just for your hobby, but you want to take some classes, bundle them together, you save the most through the Kickstarter every year. All right, that's what I have to say about that. Again, a big thank you to the 1,248 people who have already donated. Can we get to 1,608? That's why I'm here doing these live, uh, live streams this week. And I just want to thank you all for being here and allowing me to, uh, to sort of um, pitch this for you guys. All right, so I'm going to go into doing four charts now and hopefully give you guys some good, useful tips on how to read charts as we go. I'm going to look at the chat box and see who is showing up here uh, that I can read for. And I'm just, I, I, there's no rhyme or reason to the way I do this. I just kind of look and go for it. Um, so let's see. Okay. Jennifer Green just pops up. Let's go with Jennifer. Jennifer is born June 26th, 1989 at 1324 in St. Louis, Missouri. Double check that I've got that right, Jennifer. Uh, okay, so we have St. Louis, Missouri, 1.24 p.m., June 26, 1989. All right, here we go. Um, I'm going to share my screen now, and whoops. Okay, here we go. Sorry about this. Just getting things set up here. All right, so Jennifer, um, we're gonna take a look at your birth chart and hopefully give you a sense of your, I'm gonna look at your biggest transit of the year ahead. So to me, this is subjective. You could line up a bunch of different astrologers and they might all have some different opinions about what's gonna show up. Um, and uh, and so I'll just take, I'll give you, you know, my take. I don't wanna feign like, oh, well, no, you know, there's not, there are sometimes there's multiple transits that are a big deal, right? So I'm just going to pick one that really stands out to me. Um, okay, let's take a look. One of the things that I like to do to start with is look at if the, look at where the outer planets are traveling and what they are aspecting, because those are slow and often very powerful transformative aspects, especially squares, conjunctions, and oppositions from outer planets. We look at the planet right now that is in late cap. Oh, the big arrow came out right away. No messing around today. All right. <laughs> uh, okay, so Pluto is opposing your natal Venus right now, although it's pretty much done. Um, and and so you've, you've just sort of passed through the Pluto-Venus opposition. That's really interesting. Um, that could be one to talk about. But since it's sort of finishing up, I want to see what else is going on. So Pluto not squaring or conjoining any planet, but opposing Venus. Let's go down to Neptune. Neptune around 22 degrees of Pisces right now. Uh, that places Neptune in a square with Jupiter in the ninth house. That's pretty interesting. Um, although that one's about to be over as well. Um, not 
not squaring anything or opposing anything or conjoining anything. So you've got Pluto opposing Venus, Neptune squaring Jupiter simultaneously from the outer planets so far. Let's get on to Uranus, who's right around the middle of Taurus. Uh, so you just kind of magically insert where the planet might be. And I do this in my mind. Uh, it's really good to have a sense of where the planets are every day. Because then when you're looking at charts, you can plug in their location and immediately look for degree or whole sign based aspects um, right off the top of your head. That's a very quick way that often will, you know, you can forego needing some elaborate um, bi-wheel or aspect printout, which is really nice if you can do it in your head. Um, so Uranus not making any squares or oppositions loosely opposed to Pluto, but um, we're going to call that one uh, not so exciting. Uh, now let's go down to Saturn. We'll just keep going down the line. So Saturn is, uh, right now, what is it at? I'm, I'm spacing. I think it's like 22, 23, 22. I think it's around 22 Aquarius. So, um, so let's just say it's around 22, 23 Aquarius. I think it's 22. Uh, not conjoining anything, not square to anything, not opposed to anything. Gradually it'll come on the North node of the moon, but not so exciting at the moment. Let's look at Jupiter, the next planet down. So Jupiter has just entered Aries and the seventh house and is in the next month ahead going to be working through a square to the sun, conjunction to the moon and square to the midheaven. I like that over the next few months. That's pretty dynamic. Um, so let me just say this. Out of the outer planets, I'm going to say something about all of these transits quickly. Pluto opposite Venus, I wonder, because Venus is your ascendant ruler, I wonder about things like health. I wonder about family history, identity, health, and body as subjects all tied together by the transformative and often um, painful but, but ultimately um, healing effect of Pluto. So I wonder about, you know, your Venus in the 10th house could affect your career or your public or professional identity, the type of work you're doing or what, what you're doing or how you're doing it professionally, something about your career. Could also be about identity or health and maybe some connection to the topics of marriage, women, love, sexuality, family. Um, Pluto's been working on that Venus for a couple of years. So you're sort of just finishing up a season of Pluto on Venus um, for whatever that's worth. I'd be curious to hear your story if there's anything that comes up. Um, Neptune squaring Jupiter. That's interesting. Um, especially since Jupiter's in the ninth house strikes me as religious or spiritual, philosophical, educational, uh, almost like the impulse to study something, uh, gurus and guides, teachers and learning experiences, maybe travel abroad. Um, but Neptune on Jupiter strikes me again as like just a, a quick hit would be yeah, like maybe there's been something about a spiritual or intellectual form of awakening uh, that's been important somehow. Uh, maybe a little bit painful with Neptune in the sixth, like a, a painful awakening process or something like that. Uh, that comes to my mind. Um, well, that's interesting. Jennifer says divorce in 2019 and 2020. Right. And that would be just as Pluto's entering the opposition to Venus. So may, unfortunately, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, and then you can see um, one of the other things that uh, we mentioned was uh, coming up really soon is 
the Jupiter conjunction to the moon and square to the sun and then square to the midheaven and conjunction with the descendant. So you're hitting, Jupiter's hitting an angle, hitting the moon, hitting the sun, hitting the midheaven by aspect. Um, you know, when your luminaries are all hit at once, th those can be some pretty um, strong moments. Uh, it's fast though. Like Jupiter's going to move over those. Just a, You just got a couple of months, like January, February. Um, I would I would give it mostly the month of January where you're going to see this. You know, who you meet and who you fall in love with or who you're with or the people, community, family that you surround yourself with. You know, so relationships, family, groups, or communities. And maybe with Jupiter, something educational or religious, those kinds of themes or activities come to mind with Jupiter transiting over your moon in the seventh. Sometimes again, it's like family dynamics or love relationships with the moon in the set, like like marriage or relationships, maybe dating someone new, but also just the broader social dimension of your life because the moon also rules several planets in Cancer in the tenth house. So I wonder about the social and professional spheres and what kind of growth or opportunities might be entering um, your life in the next couple of months with Jupiter hitting all of those important places. Jupiter in a superior square to the sun strikes me as something that could bring promotion or it could bring uh, opportunities for growth or leadership or further development of your knowledge, skills, or abilities. Um, so I really love just, um, I really love what Jupiter might be giving you just in the next like month or two. Uh, and, and I would say both sort of social and professional at the same time, communities, groups, families, important relationships, growing, uh, expanding, and then maybe some opportunities for growth around your career, your knowledge, your abilities, or your, your public status somehow squaring the sun. So I, I, uh, I'd be curious to hear your feedback. Look over in the comments section. You first, Jennifer first says, yep, that's been my last 12 to 18 months. Awakening. Okay. Yeah, totally. So that was the Jupiter, uh, the Neptune Jupiter square. Let's see. Um, mm, Jennifer also says technology, cybersecurity manager and systems engineer last few years, but looking to life purpose of system design engineering as relates to intuition and awake. Okay. So basically it's a time where you're thinking I've had some really deep life altering, you know, experiences like divorce and kind of like a spiritual awakening. Now I'm wondering what comes next for me in my career or how this awakening might translate into, you know, my, my life path in a, in a broader sense. Well, I think the most I could say is that like, like January might be very exciting in terms of providing you with some insight or opportunities that take you further down that path, that that line of questioning that you're mentioning right now. Uh, does that make sense? And Jennifer says, and yes, been finding new three new tribes of people. Okay. So some new groups coming into your life and 100% resonant. Okay, great. Well, I'm glad we could help you, um, Jennifer. And the other thing I would mention is that, you know, in the next year and a half, you've got eclipses coming through your first and seventh houses, especially those Aries eclipses that uh, get started in 2023, like the 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 spring of 2023. Uh, let's see, what is the date of it? I can find it right now. Hold on. I can tell you. Just give me one second. You think I'd have all of my eclipse dates memorized already for the year ahead, but it's uh, here we go. Yes, so it's going to be um, 
here we go. Sorry, guys. Yeah, so it's like April 19th. There's a solar eclipse in your seventh house. That's a really powerful solar eclipse with Jupiter in your seventh house. Makes me wonder if the time for meeting someone or starting to develop some new important connections in the realm of relationships might form around, around that eclipse. So not just the end of April, but say May, June, July, as the eclipse energy sort of spreads out and, and the effects sort of ripple out into your life. So a lot of like, you know, important, there, there's an important role uh, that the eclipses are going to play in the development of new relationships in your life. Your self-concept is changing, which means you're probably going to be kind of inviting new types of people into your life, or maybe even a new romantic connection in the next year and a half or two um, with those eclipses. That's That's what I can say about that. Jennifer, thank you very much for providing your chart for us. I hope that was useful to you. I see someone from Minnesota, so I am picking them. <laughs> Is it Elise from St. Paul, Minnesota? Gotta throw up a, a fellow Minnesotans chart. Thank you for being here. Uh, thanks again to Jennifer for uh, letting us read your chart. We appreciate it. Don't forget, by the way, before we get into it, if you have not already donated to the Kickstarter, I'm gonna throw the link up in the description. Hey, we've gotten four or five donations since the start of this live stream. That's super helpful. And um, I am going to put the link in again. So we are now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bust out my little calculator here. Let's see. Before I get into reading number two, let's see, 1608 minus 1248. We need 360 more backers, one for each day of the year. So we're getting closer, guys. We really are getting closer. Um, so if you haven't yet, please uh, pitch in, donate, help us uh, help support the cause. All right, Elise, we're going to take a look at your chart next. Uh, you are, I don't have a last name, sorry. So we're just going to go with uh, November 14th, 1984 at 10.56 a.m., in St. Paul, Minnesota. Let me just double check that I've got that right. November 14th, 1984, 10.56 a.m., St. Paul, Minnesota. Okay, good. All right, Elise, let's see what we've got. Okay, um, so, and Elise, if you want to follow along and give us any feedback as we go, it's super, Elizabeth, thank you, sorry, Elizabeth. It is very helpful to get feedback as we go along. Just, uh, I like to say that to everyone. Okay, well, um, wow, there's a bunch of things in your chart that really stick out to me like right away. Um, yowzers, look at this. Okay, so you've got um, some really big transits coming up. First, the thing that pops out to me right away is you have Pluto about to conjoin your exalted natal Mars and Capricorn in the first house. Um, don't mess with Elizabeth in like the next year or so of her life. <laughs> and as soon as Pluto goes over Mars, Pluto starts going into an opposition with your moon in Leo, who is the seventh house ruler. Last quarter moon that you were born in, in Leo. That is a very, very powerful moon in the eighth house in terms of like the, the kinds of events you're going to experience when that moon gets hit with an opposition from Pluto. Now, the opposition from Pluto isn't, you're not really going to feel that as intensely in 2023. It's going to be 2024 and five that you really notice it, okay? So um, 
just stick with me for a second. If you think of between now and 2024, it's really the, the Pluto Mars show. Right after that, it's the Pluto Moon show. Back to back, they're really interesting. The, the exalted Mars rules your midheaven. Elizabeth, if you can answer, I'd love to know what you do for a living. Um, if, if you're open to sharing or and if you're, if you don't, uh, if you're not working or whatever, no big deal. I'm just curious to know, um, like what your vocation is. Um, but at any rate, so Pluto going over Mars in the first house is probably oftentimes that transit comes up, comes through as a feeling of empowerment. Now, I don't necessarily feel like people who have an exalted Mars in their first house are disempowered, you know, like that's a pretty powerful Mars. But often, because you also have a fallen Jupiter on your ascendant, you will see that there will be cycles in your life where you feel really strong, and then cycles where you feel sort of bankrupt. In energetically, I mean, I don't mean, I don't mean that I shouldn't use that word because that people might think I mean financially. I just mean that as a metaphor. You'll feel sort of empty or you'll feel sort of beat up, or you might feel like you are um you're struggling. And that's because Jupiter on the ascendant is sort of like a hero that's gotten the shit kicked out of them uh, when it's in its fall in Capricorn. There can be really big cycles of like feeling strong and wonderful about yourself and then feeling like there's something that I've been deprived of, or there's some hard times or bad luck that I've fallen upon. So when you contrast that with an exalted Mars in the first house, the way that I would look at this is how are you starting to transform the reality of your, um, probably your sense of self-esteem, your sense of being effective personally, like, um, for, and let me just see if you, hold on, let me just see if you wrote back. So I asked it if you said what you do for a living. Let me just scroll back. You say yes, absolutely feel that. Okay, currently unemployed. Okay, Elizabeth, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So <clears throat> when when Pluto goes over Mars and then it go, an exalted Mars and then it goes into the second house, what you're probably going to see in the next couple of years is the development of a sense of, of strength and effectiveness as a person, but also when it comes to your career, remember Mars rules your midheaven, and also um, what, like your potency in the world, being effective. And then Pluto moves into your second house of money and resources, which probably means that you're ready to transform the karma that you have relative to like earning power, self-sufficiency, confidence. And some of that is really about sort of overcoming some of the natal karma around a fallen Jupiter on your ascendant. Well, this is like a critical turning point for you in the next couple of years where you're probably going to be feeling a lot stronger, more independent, more capable. Um, are you married? Are you in a relationship? Liz says, yes, absolutely feel that. Let me know if you, Elizabeth, if you are already married or have kids or in a relationship or something like that, um, because that could sort of change what I have to say about Pluto opposing the moon. But let me just get into it anyway while we're waiting here, Pluto then goes into the second and I think starts in the most positive sense can bring about a sense of empowerment around money, earning power, self-sufficiency, and sort of personal potency. I'm an effective, strong person. I have earning potential. I have skills and resources that I, that, you know, I can use effectively, stuff like that. Um, Pluto's opposition to the moon, your seventh house ruler is as soon as that happens is saying as a result of that, um, my my role as wife, if you are a wife, 
mother, if you are a mother or partner, if you're not married, but with someone is going to change. For example, if you tend to be someone who gets a little bit walked on, maybe not because you're with someone who's terrible, maybe you just tend to be a little bit more passive than you should be, you'll find that you that relationship has to grow and transform because you're not taking as much shit anymore. You know, you know what I mean? Um, Pluto will move into that second house, oppose the moon uh, as the ruler of the seventh, and you'll find that, um, you know, if you've been, if you're, for example, if you're a single mom, uh, then you will find that you are going through maybe a period of um, after having had to be so self-sufficient and resourceful and do it yourself and fight through the challenges that many single mothers do, you may find that suddenly you're ready to accept the help or support of a partner again. Uh, I've seen things like that in these kinds of transits many times. Another one that you may notice will be that uh, if you're in a relationship that is not supportive or not conducive to you feeling strong, you may need to get out of one, right? So the 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 way that you're going through a period of empowerment that's personal, but also probably professional and financial is going to then immediately impact changes in marriage or relationships for better or worse, new ones that come in, old ones that need to leave. And then the other thing is if in going through this personal season of empowerment, you need to leave behind negative patterns that come from your mom or your family of origin or uh, family karmic or ancestral patterns. You may find that you're also needing to break free from those. And the opposition to the moon could be that as you're becoming more self-sufficient, you know, grandma dies and you have this uh, you know, a big a big blowout with your mom and you realize that you need some space from your mom. And uh, that would that all sounds terrible, I know, but people often need to like detonate unhealthy ties around, you know, like just blow it up, bl blow up the whole family uh, web that has you like, like held in an, un in an unhealthy um, sticky situation. So uh, those are the kinds of things that I would look for as a sequence happening really between now and 2025 progressively. Um, that's a huge, huge transit, life-changing and uh, let me look now and see if you happen to write anything since I last asked about if you're married or not. Okay. Um, here it is. I'm not married. I do have a 12-year-old son. Okay. So exactly what I was saying then about maybe being a single parent and the way that um, things need to change or evolve with either your, um, your ex or maybe someone new. I would. Those are the kinds of things that I would suspect um, as the focus of this transit in the next couple of years. Elizabeth says, been going back and forth with my son's father, but I've been feeling like it's time to move on. Yeah, well, if it's time to move on and you avoid that or neglect that during this transit, it will be a lot more difficult. So I'd really um, advise any of my clients going through this who said something like that to me to be like, just listen to your intuition. If it's time to move on and, and everything's just doing the same old thing on, on the spin cycle, Move on because you don't want to, you really don't want to do it when Pluto's opposing the moon. Um, it'll be much messier at that time, I would imagine. So, but you'll know, like you're going to get the January, February, March is huge for you in the next couple of months for all of this. So good luck to you. Thank you so much for sharing with us. You know, God bless. I hope that uh, you're able to feel the the confidence and courage and, you know, empowerment that Pluto on your natal Mars can can really bring right now. Um, okay, well, we're going to do two more. So I'm so thankful, uh, you know, to have some charts to work with. And hopefully you guys are learning some cool things from just seeing the way that, um, you know, I, I work with the charts. 
if there's any questions about anything that I'm doing, feel free to put those in the chat box as well. Um, you know what? Uh, before I go on, let's check in. Have we gotten, maybe we've gotten a few more donations. Ah, four more donations since I last rang the bell. Thank you guys. See, we're, we're getting there. Let's put the link into the Kickstarter, into the box one more time. And now I'm going to bring out my little calculator again. I don't remember what the number was before. 1,608 minus 1,256. We have 352 to go. So that's eight better than the last time I calculated. So yeah, that's a great, that's a big rise uh, from the last time. Thank you guys. Thank you very, very much. My staff uh, appreciate it. They earn their living because you guys pitch in. I earn my living because you guys pitch in. My family is supported because you guys pitch in. And um, we build really cool shit because you guys pitch in. And we make a really cool community because you guys say, hey, we like what you're doing. We support it. We trust you to build the things that you say you're going to. And up until this point, you know, we have always delivered. Whatever stretch goals we have promised, we have gotten done. And so we will get this done if we reach this goal. And you guys will have this service provided. Um, and I hope that a lot of people benefit from it. I hope that a lot of people who otherwise would have to wait a really long time or wouldn't have the money to be able to get a really quality astrology reading that can be life-changing, life-affirming, hopefully like these are for you folks who are here that you say, oh, I've got a reading and it helps me to understand like I'm on a path that's spiritual and beautiful and I can trust it and there's a sense of what season I'm going through and this person's helping me. You just get that magical feeling when you see an astrology reading done and you go, it's just so healthy to be reminded that our lives are designed by these beautiful and angelic forms of intelligence that, you know, we get to hang out with when we speak this language. It's a huge blessing. And I want people who otherwise couldn't afford it to be able to have that experience because it shouldn't be for just for people who only have a certain amount. So at any rate, that's our mission. Um, you know, and it's, it's been, really interesting to try to figure out how to do things like this while also like trying to have a business and earn my own living and stuff like that. And I think we're doing a good job so far, but we have you guys to thank. It is because of people like you guys that we do this. So I just want to say thank you for that. Okay, well, let's go on to another one. Uh, the Kickstarter link is in the comments section here if you um, want to check it out. So there it is. If you haven't donated, please consider it. Thank you to everybody who already has. Um, all right, so let's do another one. Let's see, who do I have in here? Um, all right, uh, whoops, I had one and then it slipped away. I'm gonna see if I can find it again. Aha, Megan Marie, Megan Marie. Megan Marie, who was born on April 30th, 1991 at 3.01 p.m in Gettysburg, PA. Let me just make sure I've got this right. So I've got April 30th, 1991, 3.01 p.m. Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Okay. All right, Megan Marie, let's see what we've got. Um, so I'm going to It's like, it's like, uh, what do you call it? One of those, um, 
it's like a slot machine. The the people's information, your guys' information flies by so quick. And literally what I do is I just like watch it flying by and then I just go, boom, <laughs> I just land my finger on one. So uh, it's total luck on my part. There's no rhyme or reason for how I choose. Sometimes if I see someone has put theirs in like 30,000 times and is overwhelming, I just ignore them. Just so you guys know, don't put your thing in a million times. And the other time is if I see someone who I've already read for, I'm not going to read. I prefer you not put it in again if I've already read for you on another day. All right. So, um, all right, Megan, what do we have? What do we have here? All right, let's go with something a little bit. Um, let's do something. Let's do something crazy. Let's just get crazy. I want to talk about 2025 uh, because 2025 and six are really, really big years for you. They're a little farther down the line, but sometimes it's fun to just like, let's go into the deep end. Uh, let's go into the deep end of the pool. In 2025, in the summer of 2025, Uranus is going to enter the sign of Gemini, which crosses into your 10th house and it opposes your moon in Sagittarius. Um, so you might think to yourself, well, like, why did you pick that? Or like, well, how did that come into your head? The reason that I did that is because she has a moon at zero slash, you know, one, like a, like a, an early degree moon in a mutable sign. So whenever you see an early degree planet in um, a, a sign that's also in an angular house, ingresses from slow moving planets into signs that will square conjoin or oppose that planet will be major events in the person's life that's just a rule of thumb so uranus in other words a slow moving outer planet transitioning into gemini in 2025 will very quickly oppose that moon and so it's like this very dynamic change from uranus entering a new house and a new sign and immediately opposing an angular planet in her chart that is a life like a, a really critical life turning point. So um, so first of all, Uranus entering the 10th house brings the god of invention and rebellion and innovation into the place of your career. Um, I started getting interested in psychedelics and astrology and all sorts of crazy shit, you know, <laughs> when Uranus went into my 10th house and I was still pretty young. Um, when you were born in 91, so you just went through your Saturn return, you're on the other side of 30 now. Um, but, you know, it's about the middle of your 30s where it feels to me like when this transit happens, uh, you're going to be looking at this like 34, 35, 36 years old, right around there, that there is um, just a really, really powerful era of change that's coming into your life. Now, on the one hand, it has to do with the eccentric, innovative qualities of Uranus in the career house, which means you're changing jobs, you're getting interested in some really interesting things. I've seen many people start their careers in astrology or leave their career doing something conventional in order to do something very unconventional, sort of standard textbook Uranus in the 10th house kinds of things. You have Venus and Gemini in that house, uh, ruling your second house as well and in a trine to the second house. So whatever you're doing, it's probably going to be lucrative, somewhat artistic, maybe technical or sort of intellect meets aesthetic. Um, I've seen people who are like in your picture, Megan, and I can't find you now, but in your picture, you were covered in tattoos. And I was like, well, that makes so much sense for someone. First of all, you're a Taurus uh, son. 
right? But then you have Venus on display out in the world in a double-bodied air sign. And I thought it was really interesting. And you're a child of Mercury as a Virgo rising. I thought it was really interesting that you have like script and pictures all over your body. Um, that is very, you know, it's Venus where everyone can see. So the idea of like intelligence and art and things that are interesting and stimulating and sort of unconventional comes to mind already just be, by virtue of Venus being in quirky Gemini in the 10th in your chart. But then add to that Uranus entering that house. And I think if you, even if you already had kind of an unconventional career, that it would get stranger and, you know, and like more interesting. So I love Uranus entering the 10th for you in 2025 and staying there for, for like quite some time and, and doing some cool things. Um, but what's interesting is that it is whatever Uranus is going to do in your career house, it is happening because of the opposition that it has to the moon in the fourth house right away. So the opposition that it has to the moon in the fourth house is one that can really disturb and disrupt uh, the patterns that you live with around home, family, parents, ancestry. So for example, your career could go in some really interesting directions, but also take you to some really interesting places because Uranus opposite the moon could suggest career changes that take you to, I don't know, uh, Bali or Cambodia or some, some place you would never think of. Uh, maybe you would think, I feel like everyone goes to Bali now. Cambodia would be something that I guess that, that I don't know why that, that country popped into my head, but it could be some place that you would never imagine yourself going to, to do something that you couldn't imagine. So something around moving or relocating because of some very interesting twist in your career. That would be an example. The other thing would be <clears throat> just as you are opening to the, in, the Uranian influences in terms of life direction and public identity, the regressive pull from your family steps up. So in other words, what is it about your home or your family of origin or something in your living environment or something happening in your family, extended family that says, well, you know, I don't want you to change so much. That's a little too eccentric or let's pull in the opposite direction and, you know, make you uh, attend to a sick family member or uh, deal with a sibling who's going through a divorce or a, a parent who's getting a divorce. Or So sometimes you'll see that just as Uranus is like ready to just, just pop the cork on your career, that the opposition to the moon is that it, it can't happen until there's some confrontation with family karma that comes up around this exact at the same time. So a liberation for you professionally that coincides with a liberation around family, home, and ancestral karma. That's how I would look at that transit. And to me, that's um, it's mostly exciting. Although I will tell you that Uranus and the moon are not like happy. They, they, they don't love each other. So that's a little, like the moon opposition is a little tough. You may see like disruption and disturbances around lunar things like home, family, sometimes health with the moon too. Like but you have Mars and cancer. So I'd be a little bit careful about, you know, your health, especially anytime Mars is in cancer and the moon gets a, a transit, you're, you know, things like uh, the ovaries or the breasts or the, just the, you know, sometimes you'll see like women getting a hysterectomy when Uranus opposes the moon and, and Mars is in cancer. Maybe it's, just you're fine with it and it's not anything scary most of the time really it isn't it's not like anything that's like oh my god i'm gonna die or you know something but it's as though for some part of you to express this 
radical change that Uranus has in mind, it's going to bring up more vulnerable things. And it's going to be needing to liberate some stuckness around the moon in the fourth at the same time. So that's what I've got for you, Megan. I'd love to hear your feedback if there's anything that comes up as I'm, you know, as I've been going through this. Let's see if I can find you in here and if there's anything that, yeah, what comes to mind? Is, is that resonate at all? Um, I'd love to hear what you do for a living already. That might be interesting to hear as well. I'm not seeing any comments from, uh, from Megan. Maybe I've missed them. Oops. Yeah, I don't see any. So um, if I've missed you, Megan, I hope that that was helpful for you. Um, did Can anyone else tell me did if you guys saw Megan comment and I missed it? Because there's so many comments, I can't even see them. I'll look for another minute here. <clears throat> nope, I'm not seeing any. Hopefully we didn't uh, freak you out, Megan. Uh, let me go back. I'm going to scroll just a little bit farther up. Yeah, not seeing any. So we'll just keep going. Um, oh, nope. Here we go. Oh, that's fascinating. It does resonate. I just entered working into the recovery field and would love to open my own recovery house eventually. Ah, isn't that that's that's crazy. That's there we go. You go, you do it, girl. You do, <laughs> you do it. You do your thing. No, I love that. That's really, really cool. Um, I mean, doesn't that sound like it? Like maybe in three years from now, 2025, you're ready to just take a, a really interesting, uh, you know, um, step in your career and it has something to do with home, family, something unconventional. Love that. Love that. That's super cool. All right. Um, yeah. That that's, I love to see how can anyone, I just feel like, I feel so fortunate. Like people are like, I got a bunch of messages, you know, from people who are like, are you so stressed about, um, are you so stressed about trying to reach this number at the end? And I was like, I mean, it is stressful on a level, on a certain level, but like, this is the best kind of problem I could possibly ask for. I mean, I'm, I get to do something I love for a living and I get to be stressed out about meeting some crazy stretch goal that will build some kind of cool clinic. I mean, what am I really that stressed about that? No, you know, <laughs> like, but I mean, I'm stressed because I really want, I want it, you know, like that's what I want to happen. I, I want to build this, but this is the best kind of problem to have because I freaking love astrology. Like that, that's incredible that I just can look at a chart. I can look at some printout of, a you know, the planets and be like, oh, well, when this planet moves here into your career house, it's hitting this. Does that resonate? And then they go, oh, yeah, um, I'm thinking of opening like a residential house for like rehab. It matches stunningly perfect with the symbolism that I'm sitting here trying to unpack, not knowing you at all as you sit in front of a computer somewhere far away. I'm so fortunate to be able to do this. Do you know what I mean? Like it gives me so, I, there's no way I could ever repay how much joy and magic come from doing astrology every day. And uh, you know, how fortunate I am to be able to sit and do this with people like you guys and teach it and see clients and make a living. And uh, you know, so I just thank you guys really, um, really, really appreciate all of you. And uh, this, this is, um, 
it's a good, it's a good problem to have to be stressed out about, you know, uh, the Kickstarter. Um, so anyway, um, I am going to do one more. And before I do that, if you have not already donated to the Kickstarter, I'll put the link in one more time. <clears throat> one more time into the chat box. And uh, all right, here we go. There's the link. You can find it in the comments section. You can also find it on my website, which is nightlightastrology.com. Click on the Kickstarter 2023 tab and um, pick a reward when you donate. Come check out one of my classes. Thank you guys very much. Uh, here's the link one more time in the live stream. Okay, we'll do one more and then we'll call it good for the day. Um, all right, I'm just, they're all just, God, they go so fast. Okay, let's see here. Um, There was one, ah, here you go. Maybell, uh, Mabel, Maybell, I'm guessing it's Maybell. Maybell Gonzalez. All right, we're going to do your chart. June 14th, 1977, uh, 11.30 p.m. in Harbor City, California. Okay. Okay, Maybell, um, let me just double check. June 14th, 1977. Okay, we got it. All right, here we go. All right, and Maybell, I would love it if you would offer, oh, there you are, hello, hi. Um, offer some feedback as we go along, if you, if you could, that really helps. Everyone learns so much more, including myself, when we get people sort of giving us some feedback as we go. Um, <clears throat> oh, that's cool, Maybell, that you're in the first year course. That's awesome. Well, hopefully this will complement some of the things that you're studying. Uh, let's go into, let's take a look. So, um, yeah, we're going to go, I'm going to go right away to Neptune. Oh, now we have a tiny, look at that, isn't that weird? A tiny circle this time. Let's go to a medium size. Try it again. All right, so you have uh, Neptune moving into a square with your sun. Um, and that's interesting because it's happening at the same time that Pluto is ingressing into your first house. Uh, yeah, we'll just stick with that for now. Hmm. Okay. So Neptune sun, we talked about this in one of my other live streams. Um, I think that when Neptune trying, or excuse me, when Neptune squares the sun, before we even take into consideration signs or houses or anything, you just have to be aware of what the sun represents for your life as a symbol. In every birth chart, one of the simplest ways you can understand the sun is in relation to your life's sense of purpose, the sense of life, uh, purpose or ambition. And I say sense because the sun hangs around us um, and we take it for granted in the same way that we will just come to live with and take for granted the rising and setting of the sun every day. Every day I get up and I go through my routines and I create my content and then I see clients and blah, blah, blah. 
And I do it because there is this overarching, it's like a, it's like imaged as above my head somewhere sense of this is what I'm here to do. These are my values. This is, these are my ambitions. This is my guiding star. This is what I'm here to do with my life. And we all live in relation to a sense of purpose. Now, sometimes that sense of purpose, like the sun, will go out of our view. It goes behind the clouds. And even though I'm doing astrology, let's say, I might have a day where I go, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, what am I doing? You know, uh, should I be doing something different? I feel lost. I feel uh, overwhelmed. I feel uh, adrift. I feel depressed. I don't feel fulfilled or satisfied. I feel like there's something more. And it's as though the sun, the metaphorical sun has just gone beyond the, cl the clouds somewhere, or it's a dark gray day, you know, or it's misty or foggy out or something like that. That is often what a Neptune sun experience feels like, at least for part of the transit. Part of the transit is the cloud going over the sun. And then the other part of the transit so there's, let's just call it three parts. So the cloud goes over the sun. The second part is what do you do when you feel lost or overwhelmed or sort of adrift and unclear about your life direction? A lot of the times people during that time will reach and grope to do anything that they can to try to not feel lost. People join cults. They order stuff off of an infomercial or they go back to school to try to do something that is really maybe exciting, but like ungrounded in terms of its ability to translate into a viable career path. So people will, when Neptune hits the sun, they will go through this, like, I'm not going to be lost. I don't like being lost. And so I'm going to do something really impulsively to try to force my way out of this feeling of overwhelm, out of this feeling of being lost. Usually that has disastrous consequences during Neptune sun transits because it doesn't work. Because we haven't gotten comfortable with just living in the haze or fog of the sun and Neptune. So you just have to learn how to do that. It's not easy. I don't have any advice other than, well, I guess there is some advice, maybe just learning to live with the uncertainty and confusion. And the phrase that comes to mind is following the breadcrumbs. There will be like all sorts of things that flash and glimmer and you go, well, maybe this or maybe that will fulfill me or give me a sense of hope or purpose or meaning. And it doesn't, um, you know, because you lunge at it too quickly, but it can, if you go, I'm taking note of that, that thing that glimmers or shines and gives me a sense. Well, maybe that's the path because you're trying to find your way through the woods, but it's, you know, it's foggy. You can't see the trail, but you see something shining. So, well, I'm just going to step in that direction, you know, and see what happens. And it turns out that that light that you're going toward is not the end. But when you get closer to it, it all of a sudden then another light appears, right? And then another and another. There's so much about Neptune and the sun that has to do with feeling your way through the fog of a period in your life that's overwhelming or confusing. For example, when I talked earlier as a, there was a woman who was on a live stream who had had a child and she was feeling overwhelmed when it comes to her own unique sense of individuality and, and, and purpose after becoming a mom. And she had, was going through a Sun-Neptune transit. And I said, yeah, you know, that sense of who am I, where am I going? It might take a little while and it's tough to figure that out right after you've had a child. And that's why you'll often see Sun-Neptune dynamics for women right around the time they have kids. 
that's there's other transits too that can be indicative of some similar things themes but so the idea is that you have to uh in some ways live through the uncertainty and the fog and that's the middle part of the transit and then the end of the transit is where the clouds break and suddenly and there's not only a renewed or returned sense of purpose or clarity or direction again but a totally new one um and so ultimately the sun and neptune can provide us with a new vision for our lives but often you have to go through a period of disorientation to, in order to get there and you have to learn to live in that space and feel your way through it rather than force your way through it um, that's very much the way I would describe a Sun-Neptune opposition square, sometimes conjunction as well. Um, often there is a sense during a Neptune-Sun square of needing to find a transcendent sense of purpose that you don't feel like you have, but you suddenly need. For example, I love being a mom, but I still need something that gives me my own unique sense of purpose aside from being a mom. Or I love what I'm doing, but I've gotten tired of it and I need something new that fulfills me because this old thing isn't fulfilling me anymore. So I feel kind of dead inside, very Sun-Neptune. Um, the feeling isn't wrong or misguided. So don't let people tell you, oh, you're just a dreamer. You're just restless. You're just, you're just um, you know, always um, discontented. Uh, don't, get, don't get worn down by that because the discontent is real and the need to reorient is real it's just you can't force it that's the main advice i would give for for sun neptune from what i've seen uh okay so um now in your chart the sun is the ruler of the marriage house and neptune is squaring it while pluto also enters your first house and you also have saturn debilitated in the seventh house so i wonder about joy happiness your own personal sense of identity, your, your need for autonomy, maybe around things like finances, work, creative fulfillment, and how that jives with or clashes with the needs, demands, uh, or um, contrary views or beliefs or opinions of like a spouse or partner. That would be at the top of my list for consideration if you are married. Um, so, uh, Maybell, if you are listening to this, one of the things that would be really helpful for us to know would be uh, if you're married or not, and if you are working or not, like like what your work and marriage life is, like what the situation is like. You don't have to say, you know, uh, uh, more than you feel comfortable with, but oh, okay, here we go. Ran a preschool program for 16 years, felt unfulfilled, took the pandemic to end it, have been trying to do Oracle readings on YouTube, feeling stuck. There you go. Yeah. And it may take a little while. There may be, and this may be an interlude of some kind that is leading you to a, a, a very different kind of um, life calling. Uh, so, you know, keep the faith. And you said here, married, but estranged since 2015. Oh, interesting. So does that mean if I'm reading... If I understand that correctly, it means that you're still married legally, but you don't live together and you're just, you you really have nothing to do with each other's lives. Is that, is that how, what that means? I believe that's what that means, but just making sure I'm reading that correctly. I'm not sure if you're saying like we're married, but like we just don't even talk to each other, but we live together or like what exactly the situation is. Um, Mabel says long distance relationship with someone in another, in another state. Oh, okay. So you, 
Okay, okay. So you are just friends with your ex, but sort of still married on on paper. Well, it's interesting. I mean, um, yeah, I, I sometimes you're going to see the cord being cut at a deeper level than it already has been when Pluto enters your first house and Neptune squaring the ruler of your fifth. If there are financial reasons for the two of you being together, I think those could change somehow. And you could find that some form of support is dissolving, either that you're giving or, or receiving. Um, or you could find that, the, 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 again, just like something more final and definitive. One of the things that I tell people, and it's not applicable in every situation, but um, sometimes there's just when the legal piece of it happens, even though the emotional piece has already happened, there's still a deeper level at which the karma sometimes needs to be separated. And then um, other areas in your life can open up more, even if it seems like it's just a stupid piece of paper that has to be signed. So it's just something to keep in mind. I don't know what you should or shouldn't do. And I'm not trying to say what you should or shouldn't do. But yeah, it's just something that comes to my mind. Mabel says, X lives around the corner at my dad's house. Oh, wow. Wait, so you're, wait, okay. So, so your ex lives with your dad? Is that, is that right? Did I, did I get that right? Hmm. Yeah, well, um, if that's the case, if, if I've understood that piece correctly, then we have a really interesting situation. Okay, Mabel says, yes. Because then what we're looking at is the sun is also the planet that represents the, the father. And yeah, that's my next question, which someone just put in is, do you have kids together? Do you guys have kids? You mentioned the preschool, obviously. And I, I should have asked if you have children. If you do, let us know. Um, but yeah, the, the sun can also represent father. So what you're seeing is like Pluto entering the first house, Neptune squaring the sun, which also rules the marriage house. And the potential here for some deeper dissolution of the relationship while also seeing some really big changes around the topic of father would make a lot of sense if your ex and you are not living together, but he's living with your father, right? So that's, that's a really interesting situation. I'd be really curious to hear how this one plays out. If you ever feel like emailing me and telling me the story, um, never seen, I mean, I guess sometimes there's, I've never heard that kind of story before. It's really interesting and unique. And I'd be really curious to see how the Neptune uh, transit affecting the sun rolls the topic of spouse and father together in the events of, say, the next two years, especially 2023, though. I mean, let's look at the actual transit date of Neptune to the 24th degree of Pisces. Uh, and I'll give you a timeline. So when it comes to the overlap between father and spouse and some significant changes around that, I would look for, you know, I mean, we're looking at Neptune at the 24th degree of Pisces in particular. So that's going to be uh, like February 13th, uh, February 13th through about March 13th. So mid-February to mid-March, that's one period of time where I would think these topics that we've, these themes and topics and people are going to be um, activated by the transit in a, in a pretty powerful manner. The transit comes back um, through, through retrograde 
Uh, so the retrograde comes back, let's say November, uh, November 20th or so of 2023. And then it stations on the 24th degree and doesn't leave till about January 1st. So that's the second period that you would notice the topic of spouse, marriage, and father potentially coming together. Something to do with money and finances as well. And Pluto in the first house representing some very fundamental level of personal change that you're going through that's going to be connected to the uh, Neptune transit to the sun. So hopefully that makes sense. Oh, Mabel says, absolutely. I know it's strange. I'm sorry. It probably, I didn't at all mean to sound judgmental. It was just sort of like, oh, I haven't heard that one before because I'm just like a catalog of, of stories and transits. So that was probably, um, I probably didn't put that in the right way. But anyway, uh, I don't think it's strange. I think life is strange. You know, <laughs> I think life is strange and uh, we should all be pretty used to it by this point, you know? <laughs> so um, yeah. Uh, anyway, Maybell, I hope that that was helpful and gave you uh, some things to think about. <laughs> no, no, I knew I needed a reading. It's okay. Okay, good. Well, um, Stay in touch. If anybody who got a reading, by the way, wants to email me and tell me about how any of the transits play out, the email address you can use is info at nightlightastrology.com to just say, hey, that's this is how the transit went that I've been uh, uh, going through. So, um, yeah. Yeah, you bet, Maybell. Glad to help. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, it's been fun to do these live casts this week and sort of uh, see how close we can get to our goal um, for the Kickstarter. Don't forget to uh, to uh, like and subscribe if you haven't already. We are now at 1,260 backers. Use my little calculator. And let's see how far do we have left to go. 348. 348. That is not bad. That's 12 more than we had just a little while ago. See, we can do this. I know we can do it. And um, yeah, so just one second. There we go. You can find the link in the description or the comments section of this video. Um, choose a reward when you donate. Thank you to everyone who's already donated. And thank you to um, people who will be donated, donating but haven't yet. I've got a lot of notes and messages from people saying, I have to wait to get paid on Friday. Just so you know, they don't withdraw any of the... Um, funds until uh, January 1st, in which case it'll probably be Monday since that's a Sunday. So they'll probably withdraw your funds. They don't charge anybody's card that you use until Monday, uh, maybe Sunday, but it should be Monday. Um, so anyway, thank you everyone. I hope you have a great night. Check out tomorrow's talk on Venus's wild ride through the month of January. We'll probably do another live stream tomorrow and Saturday and see if we can cross the finish line here. Take it easy, everyone. Bye.